I just love what God is doing amongst the generations at this church. I think there's something really generational about what God is doing, about what, what he's doing from the youngest to the oldest. I, I just, every time, you know, Daniel coming to, to do a, a poem, but, but more than that, the fact that he's gone out and done that publicly, uh, that is so bold and so brave. Can you imagine? I, I, I can't imagine doing it. Yeah, oh, hands up, I can't imagine doing it that boldly. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Me and Sarah were talking yesterday. Just He was fully aware that actually this could bring repercussions on him. <laughs> you know, it could actually affect him in the school. So we need to be praying for him. Uh, we need to be praying for our youth and our young people, our kids, as they, they talk about Jesus publicly. And we need to be taking the baton as well <laughs> and speaking publicly in, in our settings and telling people about Jesus and telling people about the resurrection and, and why, we, why we, who we are because of the resurrection. I'm just really in awe of what God is doing, actually, those small things. Actually, John, I think a few weeks ago you shared that you'd prayed with someone in a, a setting that you go to on a regular basis. And I just think we need to honour that that is brilliant. You know, you heard actually God has made us a flowing river and you went and, and they laughed at you, didn't they? But she's all better now. Praise the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. So I think there's these moments where we, we have to be bold and we have to step out. But, but I think in order to do that, in order to live on purpose, we have to have moments of pause. And that's what I feel like God has been talking to me about this week, actually. And I think... In fact, he's been talking to me for a long while about communion and how communion creates a moment of encounter with the living Father. <laughs> it creates a moment where we get to, to hold the, the bread, which we don't believe turns into his body, but we, it's a, a representation that he has given to us to hold, to think actually the physical thing of Jesus. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit. I know actually a few weeks ago, and Neil actually spoke about breaking a bread, didn't you, in the Foundation series a few months ago. I listened to that um, when I was at the night shelter the other day when I couldn't sleep. I was listening to a Neil t- teaching us about breaking bread. And, but I think it's an important thing that we keep coming back to. We keep coming back to this place of, well, why do we take communion? What is communion? And, and actually allow it to be a, a moment of encounter for us. Yeah? I'm going to read from Luke 22 today. So Luke 22, it should be on the screen. I should have opened my Bible earlier, shouldn't I? So Luke 22, verse 7 through to verse 20. And this is the Last Supper. So we, we should be doing Palm Sunday today. For the traditionalists, today is Palm Sunday. Thanks, Claire. Um, but we did that last week. So Jesus has got two weeks this week. So, so we're going to go into uh, uh, Luke 22, verse 7 onwards. So now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, 
The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been waiting eagerly to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I love the fact that um, Jesus lived on purpose. He lived completely purposeful. So you, you read the beginning here. I used to think this was prophetic. I used to think Jesus had prophetically seen a guy with a jug of, uh, of water on his shoulder uh, and had prophetically seen something God had given him and he prophetically knew where the, the place he was going to eat the Passover meal was. But, but actually, I think Jesus had prepared all this. Jesus had actually prepared all this in advance. He had spoken to people knowing that actually I want a quiet place to, to get away with the disciples so that I can talk to them and institute the, the Passover meal with them, the, the new covenant with them. I want to explain it to them. I want, in the midst of this busy week that I'm going to have, this pressured week, this overwhelming week, I want a moment of peace with my disciples so that I can instill this into them. And so he had prepared it all before. And I just love how purposeful Jesus was. I was reading Luke 13 earlier this week, and it says that Jesus was pressing, he was going through from village to village, preaching in all the towns, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. So he was always had this, this is my purpose, this is why I'm here. I am here to die on a cross. I'm here to go to Jerusalem to be crucified. I'm here to lay down my life for the sake of others. I am here for that purpose. Jesus knew the purpose that he was here for, and he was living purposefully, constantly, and he was pressing on towards the purpose that God had given to him. It says in John, I was reading this morning, John, it says uh, that the very purpose that I have come is to die. That's the very purpose that he came Some people say he was a really good teacher. He was an excellent teacher. Some say he's the best philosopher to ever live. He he was the best philosopher, I'm sure. But the very purpose that he came was not to be the best teacher, was not to be the best philosopher, but was to say, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to make a new covenant for you. I'm going to bleed to death on a cross for you. That was his purpose. And he knew it, and he lived through it, and he constantly lived with that in his mind, always pressing on towards the point where he would be crucified. It's glorious, isn't it? He was prepared, purposeful and prepared. And when the 
when he sat down at the Passover meal, he sat down and he broke the bread and he said, this is what's going to happen to my body. My body is going to be broken for you. And what did he say? He told us to do it in remembrance of him. I think that's a a key thing. Someone asked me the other day, um, what do you think about when you're taking communion? And I think we, we, uh, in the prayer meeting a few... uh, a couple of weeks ago, we took communion together as well, and, and we went around the room and saying, okay, what, what do you think about when we do communion? Because there's all kinds of things you can think about. You can think about the fact that your sins have been forgiven. You can meditate on that. Jesus' body was broken because he loves you so much. You could think about how much Jesus loves you, how much he cares for you. You could think about the fact that this is a, a, a real historical event, Sometimes we can get caught up in emotion uh, and we can get uh, over... I think, Amy, that talking about overwhelmed, we can get overwhelmed with our situation and the emotion. We can get overwhelmed with good things as well as difficult things. We can get overwhelmed in what we're doing. We can get overwhelmed. Often means that we have to remind ourselves, OK, we're overwhelmed, they were very busy. And actually, you, you come back to this. This point represents a very physical thing that has happened in history. As Daniel said, this point draws you right back to a point of actually this isn't just emotion, this isn't even just, you know, thinking about what God could do in my life. This is a very physical point in history which we can look back on, a historical event where Jesus, the living Lord Jesus, came down as flesh and blood And he died on a cross. And as you hold the bread, you can think about that. You can think, actually, this is historically true, that this event has taken place. And if it's historically true, well, then however I feel, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter about my emotion. You you can bring it down to a physical It is done. (laughs) Jesus loves me. Do I know he loves me? Sometimes I really know his presence and I know he loves me. Sometimes. Sometimes I think, God, are you even real? (laughs) Are you even there? Are you even, uh, what is going on? You know, you get questions. And sometimes you, you just need to come back to this point of holding the bread in your hand and thinking, Lord, you died for me. Lord, I know you died for me. I know that in the most important week in history, you died for me. And it's creating moments like that in communion, I think, where we bring ourselves back to the truth of Scripture. We bring ourselves back to the truth of the living Lord. And we think about Jesus, and we think about how glorious he is. I was meeting with someone the other day who had never read the Bible before, it's amazing meeting with people who've never read the Bible. They're very opinionated, but they've never read the Bible. But you just open it up and you just read about Jesus dying on a cross and you just start talking about the physical nature of his death and say, this is historical, this is here, this has been recorded by people who lived with him and saw with him, people who, who walked with him, people who did the journey with him. That's, that's what this is, that's the record that they have given us. And that has been maintained until now. Jesus died on a cross. It's amazing to think what people think Christianity is. 
People think it's like laws and rules and you come to church every Sunday and if you come to church every Sunday, you're all good. And if you, you're a good person, um, then you're all good. And if you do well, but, but we know differently, don't we? We know very differently. We know very differently that I might be an incredible sinner. That I am and I have sinned and I do sin and I do fall short of the glory of God. But I know it's not based on me, it's based on this real physical event in history. I am saved through faith in this, in this living Lord Jesus. I'm saved by faith through grace. It's a gift of God to us, freely given to us. Just believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the fact that this is, uh, Jesus based it out, the Passover meal. Uh, again, another purposeful moment for him. Exodus 12 talks about the Passover. And I think, I'm sure if we, if we have read the scripture, we know that the, the Passover is a time when, when uh, the a lamb was, the Jews were told, because they were in slavery, that they should slaughter a lamb and they should put the blood on their doorposts. Because the Lord was going to pass over Egypt and anyone that did not have the blood on the doorposts, the firstborn would die. But if you put the blood of the lamb on your doorposts, the firstborn would not die. And it's the firstborn animal and firstborn child. And the Bible records how the Egyptian houses didn't do this, and you could hear shrieks as they woke up because the firstborn had died. I mean, I... I it's horrendous, even the thought of that is horrendous, but the judgment of God came because they didn't mark the blood. And because of that, God rescued them and brought them out of slavery into freedom. Now, Jesus is saying, actually, well done. And you can read that all this in Hebrews. You can read that, actually, Jesus is saying, well done for celebrating that, but those were the former things. Those were a shadow of what I am going to achieve. If you believe in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins, I will, you will go from death to life. You will be taken out of slavery to sin into freedom and new life and fullness of life. The Passover meal was a depiction of that for people. And Jesus said, remember, remember, remember me when you do that. But Paul said something else. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, proclaim the death of the Christ. So when you take communion, you're not just remembering, but you're proclaiming. One of the songs that we did was, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's preaching to yourself. That's proclaiming to yourself. You're, you're telling yourself, you need to bless the Lord, soul. <laughs> you need to bless, and it's from a psalm. It's bless the Lord, oh my soul. And you're telling yourself that you should worship the Lord. You're proclaiming to yourself. And each time that you take communion, you're proclaiming to yourself. You are proclaiming to yourself the salvation of the living God. Proclaiming to yourself afresh every time. And you're also proclaiming to anyone who is in here who is not a believer. 
This is preaching, taking communion as a way of preaching, proclaiming to the unbeliever. If you do not believe in this, I would not take it. Paul says, do not take communion if you're not a believer in Jesus, because you're reaping judgment upon yourself. But, but he does say, actually, you're welcome in our midst. You're welcome here, but there's a differentiation. You need to believe in Jesus for your salvation, and then you can join the body and take communion. It's a table that's open to anyone who believes in Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we're going to take communion now. We're going to go into a time of just holding on to the bread and holding on to the cup and remembering him and proclaiming. But I also want to encourage you that that this week is, is an incredibly important week as a Christian. And so I just want to provoke you and say, actually, we're going to do it now as a church, as a body together, but how are you going to remember and proclaim this week? What are you going to do? So think about that. Make a plan this week. How am I going to remember on Friday? Jesus died for me. (laughs) How are you going to remember that? How are you going to remember it? How are you going to remember that that Jesus was torn apart, his body was ripped? How how are you going to remember that he was spat on because he loves you so much? Can you imagine that, the creator being spat on by the created? It's it's astounding. How are you going to remember that, that he had a thorn of crowns placed on his head, that he could barely walk because of the the treatment that we did to him? How are you going to remember that he took the pain, the things that we deserved on his own body? How are you going to remember it this week? How are you going to think about Christ this week? How are you going to think about this, this amazing God this week? There is no other faith like the Christian faith where the creator takes on the created pain. There is no other faith like it. It's a gospel of good news, not good works. Claire, can you come up? And we're going to go back into worship because I think it's a time of worship as well. Oh, sorry, and Sarah. Not just clear. The final thing that I just want to say before we take communion is that salvation is, and I think this is important with Passover as well, because they were saying actually this is a, a, a done thing, a thing that is being done, and a thing that will be done in the future. So when the Jews would take Passover, they'd remember the thing that had been done. They'd remember that God said that I will be present with you along the road. And they'd remember that actually eternally God will come back. And they were waiting on the Messiah. And similarly, Scripture talks salvation in the same way. It talks about salvation being a done thing. I am saved by the works of Jesus. Saved. It's a done deal. He's done it. I am saved. But it also talks about salvation being something that's being outworked constantly in our lives today. The salvation of God is an ongoing work. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. That means that he he is doing something in you still afresh 
today. We're still outworking some of the stuff. And in fact, sometimes you, the Holy Spirit reveals things to you and like, oh God, surely you should have revealed that earlier. Surely I should have known that about me before. Surely that should have been transformed already along this walk. But it's an ongoing thing where the Holy Spirit highlights and pinpoints things and you go, okay, Lord, I, I, save me afresh. Save me anew. Work your salvation, your sanctification out. Taking me from one degree of glory to another. But then the, the final thing about salvation is it is a thing that will happen in the future. Christ will return in the future. He will come on the clouds and you'll hear a trumpet sound and I pray I was still alive when I, because it would be amazing. And no one, no one will be able to deny it at this point. Jesus will come and the whole world will know. He will come to bring an end to the world. That is the way the world will end. Jesus will return. And we have this eternal hope of salvation with the living Lord Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the one who is, who was, and is to come. Salvation is something that will happen in the future as well, as happened already, happening now, and in the future. It's an ongoing work. But our security is in this. Our foundation is in this. There is a new covenant marked with Jesus' blood. Relationship restored completely.